Our scripture for today is going to be found in Ephesians chapter 6. Some of you may have heard that rumor. And particularly, we're going to be going down to verse 10. We're going to read verse 10 through 17, just those eight verses. And what I'd like to do this morning, with your permission, is dive right in. Would you read with me as we uh, put those verses up on the screen? And uh, I'd like us to read them together, if you don't mind, because I think they apply to us corporately, but really they're designed to apply to us individually. And I think there's a message for every single one of us. So I invite you to read along with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Can I just stop there? Paul's saying finally here in the middle of a a letter, because I think he wants to get down to the the root of 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 the message, and he wants everybody to get it, and he's been trying to get them... Uh, the Christians in Ephesus to realize what's going on and what they need to do to fight these spiritual battles. And so he's given them a long list of things. And in the sixth chapter, as he gets near the end of the letter, he's saying, finally. And when you see finally, it doesn't mean, oh, close the book, it's all over. It means something really important coming. So stand in the strength of the Lord. Put on what? The full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Some verses say uh, heavenly places. Therefore, put on... (coughs) Paul repeats himself. Don't you hate it when a preacher keeps repeating the same thing over and over? The idea there is emphasis. He wants to make sure you're getting the message. So here it is again. Therefore, and you always uh, ask when you see therefore in Scripture what it's there for, put on the full armor of God so at the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and ask Stand. Wow. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is... Thank you so much. That was great. It's just great to hear us reading together in one voice. In these verses, very important verses to the Christian life, we are introduced to the different parts of the armor of God and and how Paul has related them to pieces uh, of the first century Roman soldiers' armor. When they went into battle, they went into battle fully armed and ready to take on whatever came. And the pieces up to the middle, if you're following in the scripture, up to the middle of verse 17, have been uh, defensive only, enabling the, the wearer to be not only protected, but to withstand attacks from the enemy. I don't know if you noticed in that reading that we did that there's nothing there for the back of the body. <clears throat> because we must not cut and run, And we must not make allowance for retreat. 
We must keep moving forward. Three times in a couple verses right there, Paul said, stand. Then he said, stand. Then he said, stand. Stand firm. Twice he said, put on the whole armor of God. I think he's serious, don't you, in these eight verses? I think it's a message that he wants us to hear. So if you were to have every piece that we've read about up to this point, up to the middle of verse 17, you'd be capable of, of withstanding the devil's attack in your life. But, 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 hold on, because here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? God gives us more. God gives us more. That's the title of my message this morning. You want to say it with me? God gives us more. He wants us to be able to send the devil running, not just be able to withstand the attacks of the devil. So the scriptures say that we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Many of you have the sword of the Spirit in your hands right now. That's the Word of God. And we're going to talk this morning about how important this is and Paul's emphasis on the use of the sword of the Spirit. So the Scriptures say we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We often talk here at Faith Community about the importance of Bible study, the importance of biblical truth. We build everything around that, our messages, our activities, our all the planning, our outreach, our mission, whatever it is, the importance of reading the Word, the importance of placing the Word in your head and in your mind and in your heart, and even the importance of meditating on the Word of God. And by the way, that's a lost art. Meditation on God's Word, such a biblical concept, so long lost from so many Christians, just plain meditating on the Word of God, reading the Word of God, letting it sink in, then meditating on it, thinking about it, ruminating, letting it come up again and try it again and read it and study it and think about it and meditate on just you and God and you led by the Holy Spirit. I tell you, that's meditation of God's Word. You see, my friend, every piece of the whole armor of God is a result of God's Word. It's true that the armor comes to us through the Holy Spirit, obviously, but we receive and equip it because of our use of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. So let's look at the component parts of the battle gear. And quickly, I want to just run through them again. First is the belt of truth. What truth? It seems in our world today, everybody's got a corner on the truth. Everybody's got their truth. Everybody's got some truth. Everybody believes that this is the truth or that is the truth. What truth is being spoken of here? Well, I'll tell you so that you don't have to tax your brain. It's the truth of Jesus Christ that is taught throughout the scriptures, the holy word of God. The word brings us to the truth 
and the acceptance of Christ. You came to Christ, if you're a born-again believer today, you came to accept Him as your Savior, either by directly reading the Scripture or something from the Scripture, or possibly indirectly by someone else reading the Scripture and then called to evangelize or share it with you, that life-giving message that brought you into a personal relationship with Christ. But without the Word of God, you didn't come to Christ. You aren't saved. And, and so he says, put on a belt of truth. Understand this is the truth of Jesus Christ. It's the truth that we see in the Word of God. Then secondly, he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. And you know, before we get too puffed up, let's remember it's not our righteousness. It's God's righteousness. And the righteousness of God that we have is imputed to us at the time of salvation. And if it weren't for the word of God, many of us would be living in condemnation. We'd be living in guilt. We wouldn't know that when we accept Christ, we put on God's righteousness. And we just go on living like we've always lived. The word brings us to that righteousness. How? Through reading and obeying and, and, and working on uh, obedience to the, to, the, to the very word that we're reading and studying and hearing and, and, uh, and, and, and falling in love with, I hope. I hope you love the Word of God. I hope you can't, you're one of those people who can't get enough of it. I hope you have an insatiable appetite that the more you get, the more you want. Third piece of the gear, the shoes or the footwear of readiness for what purpose? And he puts it right in there so we're not guessing, to share the message, to share the gospel. How can you share the gospel of peace or the gospel of Christ or the story of Jesus as we know it from Scripture if you don't know the story from the Word of God? If you don't know the story yourself, it's going to be real hard to share that with anyone else. So the Word of God gives us accounts of Christ, and it tells of the centuries of preparation it took for Him to come and fulfill the Father's will. And so the whole Word of God, all of it, the whole canon of Scripture, just fits together so beautifully, and we see how the, we see the run-up, we see the prophecy, we see the opening, we see the foretelling, and then we see the actual coming uh, to earth of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son. And that will increase your faith when you're reading this, instead of just hearing it now and then, as you're reading it throughout the Word of God. As your faith increases, then you, 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 when you hit trials, and when you hit those times of discouragement and disappointment, you're going to have something to cling to, and I'm going to talk about that a little later. Also, what we see in the story of Christ is that he had his share of trials. He also had his uh, share of glorious works. And we see that from his history. We see that from our own history. And without the word of God, we wouldn't understand any of that background. We wouldn't understand where it comes from, what it means, what the last 2,000 years has meant to, human, uh, in, you know, to humanity. And so the third thing you could kind of overlook that you could read down and say oh the shoes of readiness to share the gospel what exactly and what's the next one but you don't want to do that you want to stop there and say what exactly are, is he saying here and where am I in this pattern the fourth piece of the armor is the shield of faith 
Yeah, here's your homework for the week. I don't want you to, I would very much like for you to read Romans chapter 10, the 10th chapter of Romans. Just read it. You don't have to do uh, in-depth study and you don't have to have a report and there won't be an exam, but just read it. The scriptures, especially in Romans 10, tell us that faith comes, some of you may know these verses, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Very good. You cannot hear the word of God. You cannot increase your faith without the word of God. As your faith increases, your shield becomes stronger and you can extinguish the flaming darts of the devil. That's a concept that's long been forgotten. I'm sorry, but we're not preaching on that or teaching on that much anymore. And people are just hanging out there. And the first thing they want to do is run to the pastor or run to a friend or get on Facebook or call a counselor and 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 the God, the shield of faith Christian friend hear me is available and to be used and you're to use it by using the word of God and as your faith increases your shield becomes stronger and you can extinguish anything that's thrown at you even those fiery 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 weapons that the devil likes to throw. Because have you noticed that when he throws one or two and, and, and you deflect them, that there's always another one coming? You ever notice that you just get ready to say, ah, boy, and there's another one about to hit you? If you haven't, you haven't lived very long. Here's the next piece of equipment, the helmet of salvation. You take the helmet and you wear it. And how do you do that? By filling your mind with the Word of God. See, without the Holy Scriptures, it would be nearly impossible to fill your mind with the Holy Scripture. One of the saddest things, I think, and I've, met, I've encountered this now for 44 years, is people who hear the Word of God something resonates, the Holy Spirit takes that word and brings conviction and they realize their position before God and they finally decide they want what Christ has to offer and they turn to him. And that's it. That's it. They're not, they're not outfitted for the battle. They're not using the armor. They've never put on the helmet. See, without the Holy Scripture, it would be nearly impossible, I don't know how you do it, with, to fill your mind with, with the Word of God and to do it daily. It would probably be easy to remember a handful of Scriptures if we said, now look, we're going to have Scripture memory here every week, and we're going to just give you one verse, and we want you to come back the next week and have that all memorized. That would probably be fairly easy to do. But I wonder how many of you could memorize the book of Psalms in the month of March and come back some Sunday and just rattle off 150 Psalms. Or maybe the book of Revelation. Or what was the book that uh, you, you memorized, uh, Rachel? Uh, James? Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs, 31 chapters. I've had students who, who memorized Proverbs, memorized James. Now, you have to rely on the Word of God in print. See, I wanna, I'm not dumbing down. I just want to keep it simple 
I want to keep everything on the bottom shelf so we can all get the food. Not feeding giraffes here, we're feeding sheep. Okay, you got that analogy, I guess. Right? Uh, can I do an aside and nobody will be offended? Promise? Okay, if you be offended, then get offended. I'm going to cover that too. I've always found it interesting. The type of animal that God chose in his word to compare us to, to make analogous to humans. It's the dumbest animal in the entire farmyard. Sheep don't know where to go, even when you tell them. Even when you... You can study the cattle, you can study the horses, you can study the ducks, you can study pretty well anything. And I thought one day it hit me. I was humbled by it. <laughs> Why is that verse... And so many people love that verse. The Lord is my shepherd. The next word should be, because I'm such a dumb sheep. But I didn't write the Bible, as you may have noticed. So we need to have the Word of God in print and read it. And I'm really blessed because I've heard from some people early on this year who said, that is my resolution for the new year. I'm going to read the whole Bible. Look, by the way, we're into March. If you're a little bit behind, just stay on your schedule. Don't worry about what you missed. Just keep going. Just keep going. You'll be glad you did. Next year, you'll probably read it through twice because you'll be so hungry to go back and do it again. Maybe next time you'll read it and study it. Maybe sometime in the midst of that, you'll read it and you'll study it and you'll meditate on it. When you're doing that, you're filling your mind with the Word of God. And in turn, you're placing the helmet of salvation and the hope of things to come, salvation, on your heads. So we're doing well. We're doing well. Yeah, we have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shoes of, of, of spreading the gospel, readiness. We have the shield of faith. And we have the helmet of salvation. But, 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 but. God gave us more. And all that we've said up to this point is crucial. It's critical to our growth, our development, our interest. But what we're about to say is critical to knock your spiritual socks off. So I want you to turn to at least two people and say, God gives us more. Go for it. Two people. Not just the person next to you, two people. You say, I did. I told her and I said it to myself. I said I had an ice cream cone for everybody who did that and followed my instructions. I'd probably get knocked over up here with the lineup. God gives us more. 
We already have the belt of truth. We already have the breastplate of righteousness. We already have the shoes of readiness. We already have the shield of faith. We already have the helmet of salvation. But God gives us more because the sixth thing that I want you to notice, he said, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword, I thought I'd bring an object lesson, of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This may not be the best object lesson for those of us living in the 21st century, but in Paul's day, it was very, very common. And it was very easy for them to understand the analogy that he was making and the comparisons that he's going to make from this. You see, a sword was for defending against attacks. But a sword is also for attacking. A sword can be defensive, but it has more than that plan, but God has more than that plan for us. We have a weapon that can defeat our enemy. We have a weapon against which the devil has no defense. I'm going to repeat that. We have a weapon against which the devil has no defense. Thank you. We have a weapon against which the devil has no defense. Nice. Nice. Satan must obey the word of God. He has no choice in the matter. He has no choice. This is how he fell from his once lofty position in the first place. If you were to go to Mark chapter 1, verses 25 down through 27, let me just read a couple of those verses and, and uh, make a comment. And the man came to him who had been possessed of demons and Jesus rebuked him. Him means the devil, the devils, the demons that were in that man, saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Mark 1.27. If you didn't catch it first time around, allow me to repeat myself. Demons and evil spirits must obey the word of God. Believer, Jesus follower... You who love Jesus Christ with all your heart, Jesus has given you the sword. You have his, and the sword is the symbol of authority. And we need to start using it in our lives as that symbol of authority. We, uh, someone said, I heard you're speaking uh, on the spiritual warfare and spiritual battle. Do you know what we're in right now in this world? 
We're in one of the worst spiritual warfares, worst spiritual battles. We're in a very, in our country here, we're even in the battle for, uh, I hate to say this, but we're, we're in the battle for, are we going to make it? Someone says, are we going to make it as a Christian nation? Oh, I guess you've been sleeping. That, that's, that left long ago. But are we going to make it as a nation that at least has some degree of respect for Christian things and the things of God and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ? My friend, if you haven't seen it, then you need to really open your eyes. We're in a battle this is not kids' play. And you need to be equipped. You need to be empowered with everything you've got. Jesus tells us in Luke 10, 19, I've got a lot of verses I can share with you, and probably half of them I'll forget, but the ones that I can, get them in your notes. In Luke 10, 19, he says, we have his authority and we have his word and we need to start using it in our lives. And he shows us how to fight with the sword and he goes over to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to take you through just a thumbnail sketch of about 13 verses. And uh, <clears throat> I, want to, uh, I want to ask you to read that one on your own, too, if you don't mind. Luke 4, 1 to 13. Is, is that on the screen? Now, now the devil wants uh, Jesus to obey his word. Some of you remember the story. For some of you, it may be new. So that's why I say, let's read it and get up to date on it. The devil comes to Jesus, he wants him to obey his word, the devil's word, and he tries to trick Jesus into obeying him instead of obeying the Father in heaven. <clears throat> so Satan attacks, and he says to Jesus, well, you're hungry, turn this stone into bread. And... Um, <clears throat> Jesus defends with the sword of the Spirit. Yeah. And he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. And so Satan attacks again. And he says, hey, I'll give you authority and splendor. It's all been given to me. And... Uh, I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you just bow down and worship me, it'll all be yours, and I'll give you anything. All you have to do is obey me. Doesn't that sound familiar? And Jesus defends with the sword of the Spirit. And he says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Satan attacks. Relentless, boy. We ought to sing relentless. We ought to add another verse or another chorus to it because as relentless as we are, Satan is more relentless. And thank God, God's grace and the, the love of Jesus and the salvation that's offered to us is even more relentless. Hallelujah. So Satan attacks. Uh, so what does he do in the third attack? He tries to use the sword of the Spirit himself. Yeah. I'll, use, uh, I'll, use, I'll, use his, I'll use his weapon. Oh. 
If you are the Son of God, I, I, I love that ignorance. If you are, never say if to God. Then throw yourself down from here, from the pinnacle of the temple, and, and this is what is written where? Right here in your book. Satan's quoting it now. He said, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. By the way, that's the first recorded suicidal thought in the New Testament. Jesus defends with the sword of the Spirit. And he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't tempt me. <laughs> so here we see, this is a great story. I hope you'll read it in Luke chapter 4. We see that Jesus defended himself against three attacks from the devil. The devil even tried to take up the word itself and use it against Jesus. But anyone who reads the word and studies it and fills their head and heart with it will be wearing the complete armor of God and be able to withstand attacks from the devil. Not that When you think of that, when you think of the power you have and the ability you have and the strength you have, wow. And notwithstanding our own weakness, but actually using the sword against the devil until he flees. In another place, Paul said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Too many Christians are running from the devil today. That is about as unbiblical as anything there is. The Bible says, resist the devil in the power of the Spirit of God, and he will do the fleeing. You're not supposed to do the running. He's supposed to do the running. Do you like that? Yeah. thought that would excite you. Would you... I may have to use that sword. <laughs> it's got a sharp point on it. I want to ask, how long do you think Satan would have continued to attack if Jesus didn't use the sword of the Spirit against him? He would have just kept coming at him and at him and at him and at him. So would you agree, would you agree that Satan still attacks? I mean, maybe in various or different ways, but would you agree with me? Maybe this has too, been too technical and we need to just get down to where we're living today. Then, Would you agree that Satan still attacks even today? Hmm. I think that's a yes. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest, and there are more than three, but I'm going to suggest three easily recognized ways in which that happens today. And I'm going to suggest that the first way is in making bad choices or decisions. How many of you were good at math in school and really liked math? Oh, quite a few. I'm surprised. Well, I'm going to give you a math axiom, and this goes for everybody in the room, and after this, you're going to love math. <laughs> Listen carefully, class. Okay. When this uproarious response is over, I... Here's the, here's the axiom. The best math you can learn is how to calculate the future cost 
of current decisions. Second way that he attacks is getting us to be offended. Without looking at anybody else, have you ever been offended? I don't care if you look at me, but have you ever been offended? No? Well, ideally we shouldn't be because the scripture says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I've had people come right to my face at times and say, you mean to say they did this, that, and that, and they wrote that, and they put that in the paper, and they said, aren't you offended? And then I quote that verse, and they walk away because they don't even know what it means. (laughs) Now, brother and sister in Christ, hear me. What it takes to offend you is all that it takes to defeat you. You still holding the grudge? You still living to get even? Jealous? Oh yeah, but Bob, you but unforgiving? I got a question for you. <laughs> what are you charging? What am I charging? That's right. What are you charging the person who is renting space in your head? Because they shouldn't be allowed in there without paying something. And the third way that he attacks is just simply by making a mess of life. (laughs) You see, God can turn a mess into a message. Huh? God can turn a test into a testimony. God can turn a trial into a triumph. And only God can turn a victim into victory. God is good. And all the time. Wow. That's still up. Let's say that together. Only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim. Write that indelibly on your heart. So we ask, how do we take the sword of the Spirit? We take the sword of the, of the Spirit. Watch carefully and I'll show you how. By picking up the Word of God. By reading the Word of God. By studying the Word of God. By filling my mind and my heart with the truths, the principles, the concepts and precepts of the Word of God. And by meditating on the Word of God. Where did a soldier keep his sword? Always in a scabbard. Where do we keep our sword of the Spirit? We keep our sword in our heart. Psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Why? That I might not sin against you. Think about it. Thy word have I hid in my heart, Lord. 
that I might not sin against you. In Luke 6.45, Jesus says this, The good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Wow. Another version of scripture says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or, the mouth speaks with what the heart is full of. If you don't think people can figure out what is in your heart, just open your mouth. This is as biblical as it gets, folks. If your heart is filled with the good of the word, it's from the overflow that your mouth will speak good things. How can you have an overflow of the word of God in your heart if you don't continuously fill it? Hmm? Hmm? If you take just enough to get you through the day, or, oh, you know what, I haven't had a little dose of that this week. I ought to read a verse or two. Like Some people treat church that way. Oh, I, haven't, I ought to go to church today. I don't know whether it's salving my conscience. I don't know if it's just, I don't know what it is, but I'm glad you're here. But how can you have an overflow come out of your mouth when you haven't filled your heart yet? How can you prevent the overflow of good to come out of your mouth when it, you have an overflow in your heart? You can't, and that's exactly what God says. Well, your mouth is going to speak whatever overflows out of your heart. It's going to reveal what's in your heart. It's going to show what you've been planting in there. And I'm not putting down daily bread. We need that to fill our hearts, but we need it until the overflow of the good of the Word of God starts coming out. Hebrews 4.12 is a verse that I love, and it really goes to what we're saying today. And the writer of Hebrews said this, For the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents or the attitudes of the heart. Wow. Wow. The old sword's pretty sharp, isn't it? Huh? It's pretty effective, isn't it? The Word of God is living. You pick this book up, you have a living book in your hand. Many men make books. Only God's Word makes men. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division, uh, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, I'm going to explain that, and the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents, another word for intents is attitudes of the heart. Can I just say this so that we're all on the same page? God knows every last thing that's in your heart. No, well, I didn't tell him about... Well, then just save it. Because he knew it before you did, probably. You see, we're body, soul, and spirit. 
You've been feeding your soul this morning. I'm going to drink to my body. Man is tripartite, as is everything God created. Past, present, and future. Length, width, and breadth. It goes on and on and on. Man is tripartite. That means three parts. Body. How many of you can identify with that? You don't have mirrors? What? Soul. I don't mean Spooky Robinson. I mean soul. <laughs> who, know, who knows who he is? Okay. And spirit. <laughs> well, that's the concept that some people have. Let me explain it very quickly. In the simplest of terms, but in very accurate terms. Our body is comprised of the senses. And the senses are connected to everything that makes our body function. Sight, smell, hearing, touch, and taste. How many respond when I say those things and you have experienced at least two of the above? Okay. No sniffing your neighbor there. It's not fair. Okay. So that's the body. We can identify with that. It's pretty easy. You're tired. Wow. Uh, soul. Can anybody help me here? What's, what comprises the soul? I'm, I'm, I've, got, I've got three words in my mind, in my head, but... What was the first one? Your will. How many of you have a will? Not a written will. I give all my worthy goods to Bob. I don't mean that. Thank you, by the way. Uh, but how many of you have a will? You must have been a strong-willed kid then. You won't even put your hand up. How many of you have a will? Uh-huh. I have a will to get out of here as soon as I can. Um, what was the next one? Emotions. Emotions. How, you guys are really, really smart. How are you getting all this stuff? <laughs> I don't know, boy. And what was the third one? How many of you have... Oh, forget that. <laughs> Let us not go there. Mind, will, and emotions. Mind, emotions, and will. Will, emotions, and mind. Line them up any way you want. That's the soul of the person. And the spirit can be pretty much narrowed down in one word. And that word is conscience. That's why when you hear the word, man, they did that, that is unconscionable. That's bad. That's really bad. That was done without anybody consulting their conscience, their spirit. Now I'm not going to go into all the things that 
all the ideas that people have of the spirit and all this and that. Just to say this, your body is the physical. Your soul is the mind. That's the important part of that that uh, 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 trinity there. And the spirit is at the center of all of that. It's the spirit that moves you. It's the spirit that directs you. It's your spirit that leads you. And that is, is, the conscience is what drives your will. So you, you need to ask yourself, am I self-willed or do I submit to the, to the Lord and to his word? The conscience or, 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 the, or the spirit drives my emotions. Do I weigh life based on the word of God? Or do I weigh everything according to how I feel, which is my own selfishness? And conscience or the spirit controls my mind and my thinking. When your mind is all off and your thinking is, is just not, it's not there. It's just not, and I'm not talking about a medical condition here, but I, I'm saying when you're way off base and you're, you're, you're just not making sense as, it, as, as we know it from Scripture, then that's because the, you're not being directed by the Spirit and the, your conscience is not keeping you on track. It controls your will. It controls or drives your emotions. It controls your mind. It controls your thinking. Uh, and what I'm trying to drive at is we, we can't have our thinking and our thought processes diametrically opposed. In other words, we can't have some of our thought processes processes that are God-honored or God-centered or godly things, and then others that are nothing but selfish, ungodly thinking. One or the other. That's why we must have the Spirit of God to guide us continually. That's why all of this comes together when the Spirit of God is in control. Because the spirit that is within us will show through our soul and body whether it is a God spirit, a godly spirit, a good spirit, or an ungodly spirit. Now because our soul and body are based on our spirit, we reveal by our lives action what's working on the inside. And the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, powerful enough to even separate our spirit from our soul and replacing it with the spirit of God. It discerns our thoughts, our attitudes, our intents, what we intend to do. It knows our heart better than we know our hearts. And this is what is meant. You've heard the term we Generally speaking, Bible teachers have been lax in explaining this. This is what is meant by walking in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. We walk by the power of the Word of God and godly thinking, not 
by ungodly thinking or ungodly thoughts. If we allow God's Spirit to rule our emotions, rule our will, rule our mind, good news for you, then our body will follow. We need to study God's Word. Fulfill our hearts to overflowing. Read the Word and sharpen our sword. We need to allow God's Holy Spirit to fill us and to keep filling us and then to lead us. And we need to walk in the Spirit with the full armor of God. Ever, ever, always wielding the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Why? Because he gave us the belt, he gave us the breastplate, he gave us shoes for the feet, he gave us the helmet, he gave us the shield, but God gives us more, more, more. Can we bow for prayer? We're going to have a moment of just quiet prayer for all of us, each of us, every one of us. To do some inward thinking. To do some introspection. And to consider where we are. Just before I lead you in prayer, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for leaving with us these truths that give us everything we need. to wage the battle that is ever before us, the spiritual battle, the warfare that never seems to end, the attacks of the evil one. And God, we don't need to feel intimidated. We don't need to feel threatened. We don't need to feel like it's time to run. But we need to listen to what you're saying here in the Word of God. And we need to pick up our armor, and we need to be fortified for the attacks that come, or that might come, or that will come, so that we're ready to stand in the evil day. Lord, we're living in tough times. We're living in times where there's so much pressure and so much stress and so much inner confusion amongst our people that it's real hard to unpeel the onion and get down to the real core of the matter, but Lord, Today, as we look at your word, and it's so simple and yet so profound that the answer is, not just in the word of God, the answer is the word of God. So help us each one as we reflect within our own hearts 
to make the proper decisions that would bless us and that would bring honor and glory to you through our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For we pray in his name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.